it's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Come on, have some goddamn energy in there. I, uh, Friday, long weekend. It screwed up my intro because I was shocked to see eight loyal Raptors Republic viewers just <laughs> waiting, waiting in the weeds. Yeah, waiting in the weeds for this live show to start. I, we ne- we almost never start on time, but today we did. So I'm happy for those eight people uh, that we did. I'm Oren. I'm with Aiden here. And we're going to talk about the Donovan Mitchell trade, how it affects the East, whether Toronto should have done it, all that good stuff. Aiden, how's your day going? First, we got to answer. I just had a cup of coffee. I've got a lot of thoughts. I'm ready to roll. It's first time in a while we've gone live, too, so I'm feeling like extra spicy. You know, I can feel the kinetic energy of our six faithful viewers. Let's go. Yeah, no. The seven, the seven faithful viewers are big time. I, uh, I went on a long bike ride today. Just got back. Really, as soon as I left the house, my allergies started acting up. So it was a tough bike ride. It wasn't easy, but that's also why I sound a little nasally. So just mm. forgive me. But yeah, let's let's get into it because I think we have kind of differing views on this. So as Woj rudely interrupted my day yesterday um with this can, we just ad- can we address that s a former raptor republic guy was probably lively more live more live on twitter about this trade than me and it was his yeah, wedding. yeah. <laughs> actually we can't even address it no i know we should <laughs> it's concerning it's concerning uh but yeah, S, show it to us. Congratulations for getting yeah. married. Um, yeah, I mean, if his if his wife now doesn't mind, then hey, we're jealous. Realistically, it's that's true. all we are. <laughs> um, but yeah, so here's the details of the trade: uh, Donovan Mitchell to Cleveland for Laurie Marketing, Oche Okbaji, Colin Sexton, three first round picks and two pick swaps, and then for clarification on those. They are 2020. They're basically as late as they could have possibly gotten them. So I'll just ask for your initial thoughts to the trade first, and then we can go from there. Um, so I saw when I saw it first go down, I almost like I was in a meeting and I almost kind of like had a minor seizure. Like it really caught me off guard. I was so dead set on the New York Knicks. Uh, getting Mitchell like I really just didn't even consider anybody else and uh, this trade I like it's a really smart move for Cleveland in the sense that I think they got Mitchell at a cheap price I I tweeted that I was kind of surprised that like guys like Laurie Mark you and you mentioned a Coro like Utah didn't even get a Coro they didn't even get Love who's an expiring they had to re-sign Sexton which I think goes a little bit against their plan um 
this kind of looked like a spite trade by Utah. And it was kind of, you know, it's like, oh, New York's getting picky after them, you know, courting Mitchell for the last 18 months. Like, screw you. We're just going to take the lower price. So uh, props to Cleveland for making the move. I would have done the same thing if I were them. Uh, the same way, you know, we capitalize on Kawhi. All that being said, I still am not as overwhelmingly intimidated by uh, by the acquisition uh, of Mitchell than others might be. And we can get into that in a little bit. Um, but yeah. yeah, but I like overall, I'm just like astonished by the transaction itself. Yeah, no, I was too. I was too. Um, when it happened, I, I didn't believe that it was the real Woj because I keep getting caught on Twitter because I mean, yeah, the Knicks were the favorite for sure. I, I honestly considered the Raptors like, I'm, I've been very vocal about not believing in this Vision 6-9 thing in terms of like what the front office thinks. I think they are going to pull off a consolidation trade at some point. So I thought the Raptors were a team that could have gotten in sneakily. Um, there's a couple others. I didn't consider Cleveland strongly just because the backcourt thing, really, just because like, a, they're really young, and it, it, they didn't feel like a team that was going all in at any point soon. And B, they had already this guy in Garland who, you know, it wasn't heliocentric at the end of the season, but it was pretty close. Like, he had a ton of the ball in his hand, and it honestly looked really good when he had the ball in his hand. Not to say you can't use more ball handlers. I'm going to argue that you can, but um, I just didn't see Cleveland, like, mentioned, and I didn't really consider them. I disagree with you that the price is not hefty though. Like we'll talk about the, the next deal and we can honestly do that right now if we want and yeah. who's we would have taken, but this is not like we would only consider this price, not insane this summer. If this happened a year ago, even three first round picks up to 2029, 20, all unprotected two pick swaps unprotected for Donovan Mitchell, who's an all-star, but not like a top 10 player, I think that we would be like, yeah, that's way too much. But what, what Rudy got with what Rudy Gobert got, then it tempers our expectations. And like we're like, okay, this is just the price. Yeah, that's true. And, and it seemed to be with Durant and Mitchell that there was kind of suddenly all of the leverage of the selling team was gone. It was kind of weird. It was like... Um, Go, you know, Gobert somehow oversaturated the market that everybody, like, everybody came away from that being like, this is like, this is, we're reaching the era or we're reaching a line of absurdity. Like, we can't just, we, like, if, if Gobert is the, um, kind of the line in which we're, or the, um, what we're looking at as the frame of reference, like, Kevin Durant and Mitchell are, be, are arguably, well, Mi Grant, Durant definitely is a Mitchell probably is beyond that so what are we looking at like nine picks 12 picks and instead it actually kind of um it it receded like it came back kind of down to reality i i i don't think this is an absurd like i i don't think in a vacuum this trade it, it is more than we think it is because first of all mitchell is young as well so you have a core that is all under the age of 25 26 moving forward um what the unprotected first round picks start in what 26 2025 yeah and so like they anticipate resigning Mitchell 
and running this core for, I would say, at least four to five years. So I think one or two of those picks won't be as valuable as they think. And I guess I'm just more surprised by the the num- the the players that they got. Like I like Agbaji, but he's definitely pro- or he's projected to be a role player. And I just don't think that Utah wants Colin Sexton or Markinen. It doesn't really seem to fit what they were looking for. And so the fact that they now have, I think about seventy million tied up in these two guys. I don't know if Markinen's tradable. Sexton might be, but. That you know, Cleveland was trying to ship him for a while and couldn't. So all of a sudden, Utah is burdened with contracts that I don't think they necessarily wanted. That and that's what surprised me. Yeah, I, I think they more so just wanted team control for several years. So I don't think they're really mad about Sexton because at the end of the day, there is a there is a salary floor you have to hit, and if you don't hit it, then whoever is on your roster still gets paid the outstanding money. Like. In OKC last year, I think each roster player got like two million at the end of the season extra just because they didn't hit their floor. So it's like at a certain point you have to hit the salary cap. I'm not sure they were that against taking back players. Yeah, and Sexton's a cheap contract too. Seventeen million for his production is not bad. Yeah. Yeah. So like look, I I would have done this deal if I was Cleveland, I think, but also I'm not gonna act like Utah came out with nothing because a we don't know is is logic but it is super risky to leverage your future like this like there's so many ways that even though you have evan mobley and we all believe in evan mobley even with that there's so many things that can grow mitchell cannot resign or he can even force his way out before that i don't think that's happening but not resigning is a real possibility one injury and then you have a bad season and then all of a sudden a lottery pick is going the other way yeah, but you know what? I, yeah, but you can look at that the other way too, which is like those those draft picks are not certainty at all, and we've seen time and again that that teams are able to kind of um, you know quickly deconstruct, get value. We just saw Utah do it, and then and then redirect in a in a couple of years. And Cleveland has so many players now that could you know in three or four years if they wanted to just build around Mobley and and send Garland and Mitchell elsewhere like they could, and they could get back a lot of those picks that they trade off. So I actually think there's there obviously injury is something you that's plausible, but you can't really ever strategize around injury. In fact, you can by having a Mitchell and a Garland that if you lose one of them, you're still like a functional team. But I think the risk is much lower than, than you're suggesting. No, I actually, I mean, I agree with you just because this was the other offer. You know what I mean? Like, look, if this is just what it is now and star players are going for every future first round pick a team has and teams are willing to to pay that, fine. Like, I'm not here to say whether or not that should be the price going in the league because that's just what's happening and that's the reality. But okay, if this was your other offer and it's a few less picks, but like RJ Barrett, Forget Toppin, who I really like, and Robinson, who I like. R.J. Barrett alone is by far, like, I'm not even going to talk about the keeping Mitchell aspect, which I think the Jazz should have done. But, okay, you go through this rebuild. What are the odds one of these picks is going to be better than R.J. Barrett, right? It's like, yeah, they're not, they're not that high. And then R.J. is on this new big contract. Like, why wouldn't you just take this deal? get a couple fewer picks, but 
just better young players. Ultimately, like that's that's how I would always go about these things because the draft is a crapshoot. Yeah, and Barrett, what did Barrett resign for? Like uh, super reasonable deal, in my opinion. It's four yeah, well, years, like a hundred a million could go up to one twenty. Yeah, it's like thirteen mil more than Sexton, but less years. I I, I honestly don't know. They must have evaluated Barrett and considered him not not worth the money like that's the only the only conclusion i can come to because he is young he has the potential to be you know uh, probably the second guy on a good team um there yeah i don't really know what happened but i can imagine that the exchanges just didn't go well you know interpersonally and then that kind of um killed the the negotiations but i agree with you that i think this this package is much stronger than Cleveland's. And not to mention the fact that you're betting against New York, which is a better bet than betting against Cleveland. Now you're not betting against them as far in the future. So I get it. Um, But yeah, look, either of these deals, I think is a crazy return for Donovan Mitchell. Like this, looking at this is insane to me. RJ Barrett is not that much worse than Mitchell right now. And there's, he's younger, like, Okay, I get it. You have to throw in a couple picks because he's not as good. But like three unprotected picks, Toppin and Robert, it just doesn't add up to me. I don't know. I I see again. I disagree. I think Barrett is a good player. He's not great. I think Mitchell is a great player. We've seen in the playoffs that he can literally drag a team into the second round. And there are only a handful of players that you can truly say can do that. We don't really know what Toppin is yet. He showed flashes, but this is he's an older prospect. He's going into year three. He still hasn't really cracked the the lineup. Mitchell Robinson, same thing. I just don't think that um, – I actually think this is like about right for Mitchell. If anything, it's a little bit under just because the, the only difference is that Utah really wants picks. And so like I think that that makes the roster – the players that are traded in the package less important, but I think Mitchell is deserving of better players being traded for him. Um, because I don't know. It's just when I look back at some of the superstar deals, Anthony Davis to the Lakers. Uh, Davis um, is a huge package. I know. Uh, James Harden to the Nets. Like they got around similar, similar value. No, and he was like players. seven picks. Wasn't it? And uh, AD, I, I would have to look it up. No, like but I, it was not, it was it was Ingram. Ingram was part of that deal. Yeah, I think it was a similar amount of picks though. And and Lonzo and Josh Hart and like five or six picks, and then Paul George, same I don't think thing. Like many picks. Well, Paul George is a different. One. Like I didn't want to bring up Kawhi or Paul George because they were but, like unique but, situations. I know, but still, like you ha- like those guys are are those guys are the highest caliber of player, and I yeah. think Mitchell is the tier below that. Um, and I think Gobert is the tier below that. And so, like, I think when you compare it, I think Mitchell M- Mitchell is more than what Gobert was worth, and he's just a little bit less than what those guys are worth. And so, I like, I just think yeah. this is I don't I don't think this is equal to his value. I think it's a little bit under market, and I think he's been devalued just because of how Utah kind of cratered over the last two seasons. I think he has too, and I'm really high on Mitchell. And like, I, I guess I'll just say that I wouldn't have done this deal if I was 
uh, the Knicks. I wouldn't have included this many players for Mitchell. Um, but I would have done the Cleveland deal if I was Cleveland. Yeah, And that kind of goes to show that I think the Cleveland deal is a little less value than this one. And also just like the team building, the Knicks are a little bit less far in it than Cleveland. But like either way, I guess my point is just that you really have to leverage your entire future to get yeah. a star now. There's no two picks with light protection. Like the days of that are done. Yeah. It's now like you got to just, and, and I'm curious to why that's happened. I don't know if it's because free agency died with all these extensions and now people have to get players in trades. Like I, I don't, I think it's interesting to learn more, but it really feels like the star trade value market has gone up a lot recently. I, I don't know if anybody's in read picks, at least not like it used to be maybe players and a couple picks. Now it's like, give me all your picks. Well, they just beat, they're almost becoming empty calories, right? Like it, they're so far down the line and so much can happen. And in, within the draft itself, but also between then and, and the, and when the, the picks come to fruition, like I think, I think team and you see this in football to some degree too. Like the Rams did this where they just basically went all in at the moment to win the Super Bowl. And I think the NBA is kind of realizing that that you need to yeah. kind of take what you have now and run with it and worry about what happens later because there's always an avenue that you can explore. And we're seeing time and again that teams are going from bottom of the league to the higher level much more quickly than it used to be, except for Oklahoma, who's, who's also demonstrating that the just acquiring picks and holding on to them forever is actually not necessarily going to get you anywhere. But the yeah. one other thing I was going to say is um, I'd be interested to write a piece philosophically on the ideal idea of like feudalistic behavior in our generation. Like it's kind of hard to really even conceive of, um, what the future is going to behold. And I, I, I say that like really cynically because yeah. I am that, but Zach Lowe made that comment kind of flippantly. He was like, he's like, yeah, you know, maybe the world's going to be underwater in, in 2033. Yeah. So who the, who the hell cares about your draft picks? And there might actually be something to that where the future is so unforeseeable that like worrying about a 2029 first round pick is really like inconsequential. I think that's fair. I also think GMs, don't care because they're probably not going to be there in 2029. And I also think if this is the market, like Cleveland, for example, if things do go bad and they have to rebuild all of a sudden, they can just get back these, this, this package. That's what I'm saying. You know, Mobley would fetch an Anthony Davis type package in two years. For sure. Uh, For sure. So let's move on. I'm going to check my, my mic settings here. What I want to do is yeah, now. You're right. You're right. Ooh, ooh, how's that? Ooh, that's sexier. Oh, thank God. Yeah, way better. Well, let's talk about Cleveland, right? I thought it was your allergies. Oh, well, God. wait. Before we do that, okay. Should we talk about the Raptors or should we talk about Cleveland? Let's do Cleveland and then get into the Raptors. Okay. Right? Okay. So I'm gonna no, pull up. Their, no, let's their do. Depth. Let's do the Raptors because you know. The faithful here are probably more interested in the Raptors than they are Cleveland, I think. Yeah. I, I just think- want to say quickly what would, what, now that we know what New York was offering and what Cleveland traded, what would okay. be the Toronto equivalent and would you do it? That's what I'm curious. 
So it's three picks. Yeah, I've thought about this a lot. Okay, let me put up a <laughs> how a much banner. on your bike ride, or are you just kind of like, oh man, thinking honestly, about it? yeah, it's good times. Okay, <laughs> how's that banner? Yeah, at first I thought yes, I would because again, I think the Raptors are going to be good for a long time with Barnes in tow, so I'm not too worried about those picks and stuff, right? Um, the problem with doing a deal like this for the Raptors is it's, and same with Cleveland is it's your last swing, right? Like Cleveland now has literally no picks to trade. The Raptors would be in a similar situation if they, if they did a deal, I think the equivalent would be Gary Trent jr. Uh, so so Sexton is Gary Trent jr. Yeah. And then they're like, there's no OG level player. So we're not going to go there. It would be, it would be Gary, Boucher or something. He can't get traded right now, but something like that. Malachi and a bunch of picks. Same amount of picks. Yeah. So the the Lori Markinen is like it's more about salary filler than it is yeah. talent, right? Yeah. And, and I think Boucher is better than Markinen, but it's that you're right. It's that level. OG is not is well above. And Gary Markinen's is better. Level. Gary's better than Sexton. I, that's I mean that's arguable that's con- okay, contextually arguable. whatever we're not making the exact deal we know we no, know no, I know that I'm, I'm saying tier wise they're about the same yeah the only reason like I was in for the Raptors to get uh Mitchell but if I had now that I know the price I would I would say no and again it goes back to what I said about Kevin Durant and a guy like Shea Gillis Alexander. It's just if you have one chance to to swing for the fences, I don't want it to be Donovan Mitchell. And that's because we talked about this when we did the Durant pod, I think. It was just like a guy like Mitchell of his caliber comes up every offseason. And not not necessarily a guy who would fit as well as Mitchell would on the Raptors, because I think he really fills a lot of needs that they don't offensively, he would just be a perfect fit. But I would just rather hold on to my chips and wait for Durant to come available again, to be honest with you. Like, w- like, what are we doing here? Like, Kevin Durant, I know Raptors fans were, like, all against this. But, like, would you rather give up the same picks package for Kevin Durant or Donovan Mitchell? Well, the thing same is... Same package. Brooklyn's, Brooklyn's never selling low on Kevin Durant. They're, the, like, there's... there's I, or whatever low that's is not true Kevin. there's a history of stars eventually getting their way out for less than market value okay oh so you're right less than market value but not at a price that mitch mitch like to me the the biggest differentiator right now is og is a raptor with mitchell on the team yeah. and I, I possibly like i don't know that I don't know that we could have bested cleveland's offer especially with a Ab- being in the deal um, but theoretically, if we're holding on to OG and we're getting Mitchell, I'm taking that like a thousand fold over getting over losing OG and Gary for Kevin Durant. I just am like, I, I believe that much in OG and I think OG unlocks like the, one of the biggest problems to me with Brooklyn last year was that Kevin Durant was their primary defender. And like, that would not be the case coming to Toronto, but OG is the, is the linchpin. And I encourage everybody to read Lou Zatman's piece that just came out the other day on OG and his contributions on both ends of the floor. 
But defensively, I think he is the linchpin to Toronto's defense. And losing him just throws us into a space I don't necessarily want to be in. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a, my rebuttal would be that, A, he could walk in a year or two when his contract's up, and then you lose him for nothing. That's a true. real possibility. And, and B, my main thing is just this, okay? You trade for Donovan Mitchell. You have Mitchell and Fred in the backcourt. And then you got OG, Siakam, Barnes, Achua, whatever. That's not a championship team to me. It's a really good one, but I don't think it's a championship team. However, I do think Kevin Durant with the Raptors is a championship team. And that just comes down to, do you have a top five player? Do you have a number one option who can be the best player on a championship team? Like it's never that clear cut and simple. Of course, there's been teams that have won other ways, but I'm going to bet on that version of a team going, going to the finals rather than what Mitchell would be, which would be a mishmash of a bunch of good players, but no top, top level superstar. Yeah. I just think that we, Toronto is carving a new path and you're right. Traditionally, you've had a top five superstar, superstar to win the championship. That's just been basically true. Although last year Boston was was there, and there have been other teams that were there, like Phoenix and Miami, who didn't and were close. And they did that, you know, by committee. And Toronto has a type of committee that I think, at the peak of their powers, could get there. But they need a guy who can go and get you forty, especially in the playoffs when the offenses, you know, grind to a halt. And Mitchell has proven that he's capable of doing that, even with a guy like Gobert on the floor, who's a complete zero on offense. And so I, I, while I do agree with you that it's Toronto biding their time for the perfect superstar makes a lot of sense. I think with Mitchell and the right pieces around him, again, that's why I didn't want to like trade everything we had for him. But if we could get him, keeping OG, keeping Precious, I think that's a, that's a finals contending team. Yeah, I think it could get there. I just don't think they'd be favorites. But honestly, I, I would agree with you that like I would rather do one of those deals than none, which like the Raptors didn't do anything this offseason. That's fine. I get it. But if you're asking me, would you rather have Kevin Durant or uh, Mitchell for the package that Utah just gave up or an equivalent, or just go into next season building like I would say I'd rather have one of those star players of course like like I think they're both good fits and I think they would both make the Raptors legitimately better and ultimately that's what you're trying to do you're not always trying to take that step right towards contention it doesn't happen that way but you're trying to get better every season and I would I would have loved to have Mitchell on this team yeah it would have been really fun package like it would have been scary but again like you have Barnes, which is the backup for for things to never go really south and then you also have the canadian angle which is like i do want i i think the perfect like young guy to trade for is definitely sga but there's also a world in which the raptors go for one of these superstars it doesn't pay off the window uh, falls apart they they mess on the window they trade their stars like the older stars they they go into a rebuild with Barnes, and then a canadian guy comes and signs in free agency i totally think that's a real possibility too if you're leveraging your future you you kind of have a little bit of not safety there but like hope at least um, yeah are you are you ready to talk about the cleveland thing because i have a way to kind of transition that i want to do 
Sure. <laughs> okay. Doesn't sound much like a transition. But. So I, I thank you, Logical Raptors fanatic, for this comment because I wanted to bring it up today, and I would have forgotten probably. So, like, let's talk about how good Cleveland is going to be next season and how much we fear them from a Raptors standpoint, from an Eastern Conference standpoint. Or not fear them. Yeah, because I really do fear them. But at the same time, I did want to make this point that the Raptors are, in a lot of ways, a perfect matchup to exploit uh, their weaknesses. Because this is going to be a team... Obviously, offensively, I think they're going to be really good. Defensively, as a pick-and-roll defense, I think they're going to be really good for reasons we can talk about. But this is the type of team that can exploit them is just like really a mismatch hunting team because now you have two targets. And I think in like I think if you ask me right now who's going to finish ahead in the regular season, I would say Cleveland. But in a playoff series, I think I would take the Raptors. Just because they can feast in the post against these smaller players. And then if you're going to double team the Raptors, all of these guys, whether it's Scotty or, or OG or Siakam, they're really good. They're, they're really good playmakers for the most part. And not just that, like is Cleveland going to be able to double and rotate out? Like, do they have the personnel to double and rotate out like that? I don't I don't really think so. Like again, I think there'll be a good pick and roll defense, but I think that's the way to exploit them. Yeah, the only problem with that is that you do have two top top tier shot blockers in the paint. So I mean, even if and I think OG's kind of demonstrated this that even when he is pounding a lesser a, a defender in the in the paint, like running into help side is going to be an issue. And then and making the right pass. And I think like some players like Scotty and Pascal are better at that than others, but they're gonna probably be matched up to Mobley and well, I don't know who Pascal would match up to, probably Mobley, and then Scotty, maybe a Coro. So I don't think it's as easy as saying, like, let's find a little guy and punish him, especially if we have Gary and Freddie. Like that's Mitchell and Garland matching up to them, and that's not that's not the worst case scenario for them. No, but but I actually do think it would be as easy as that because a you could just put a bigger lineup out there with OG at the two and Gary not out there, right? And Precious, and Precious is out there, yeah. so now one of those little guys has to defend an OG size yeah. player, and, or and you B, just pick and roll it into it. And B, yeah, you just pick and roll it into a switch eventually, uh, or you just you manufacture switches other other places. I I mean, let's be honest. I agree with you. And I tweeted when the trade happened that I'm not that afraid of this. Like it's scary. And Mitchell can have a series where he literally just torches everybody and it, the series is over. And I think Toronto is more susceptible to that than other teams, because we don't have that, um, you know, that next gear offensively yet where we can, you know, throw up 120 in a playoff game um, and go toe to toe the way like Denver did with Utah, for example. And so that part's scary to me that like the offensive ceiling of this Cleveland team is now much higher than ours, but their but their defensive floor. I is... love how we're arguing the opposite things that we were supposed to. I know. Well, I mean, that's my bad. I I came into it with this Raptors angle. But... Well, you were pro- what? What was our original positions? 
I I think Cleveland's going to be really good next year, and you are not quite as scared as yeah. Them. And then you started arguing, but I sw- but but I do think if you're going to beat the Cavs next year, it's to do it with with the type of personnel that the Raptors have. Yeah, so I did a little bit of research on this, like deep. But yeah, let's thing. ignore the Raptors' standpoint and let's just talk about uh, like how good the Cavs are going to be. Yeah, so I think I mean let's start like defensively because this is where I did the research. But so I looked just quickly at uh, cleaning the glass of the on-offs. And, you know, with Mitchell on the floor and Utah's starters, they are in the 61st, 61st percentile. And then with Spider off the floor, Spider, they are the 84th percentile. With Donovan Mitchell on on the floor, just generally, they're they a 51st percentile defense. So that was last year. People have said that Mitchell's – capable of defending at, at a at a higher level than he's demonstrated. Maybe he was like half checked out. Who knows? Um, I don't know. And also, I don't really know what that means going to Cleveland because Cleveland had the 89th percentile defense. Um, you're basically swapping uh, Sexton for Mitchell. And they, they actually have a very similar um, side, like profile. Sexton's a little bit... Uh, skinnier but they're the same height and Mitchell's a little bit longer but the difference is that when Garland and Sexton were on the floor they were a 92nd defensive rating percentile despite being a small backcourt so I uh, what does that say about does that say more about Sexton does it say less about Mitchell I'm not really sure but I think there is a world where even this small backcourt isn't is it's still a good defense even with the small backcourt because I and my point is is I think when people were analyzing this trade they were coming up with the, oh they're so small they're both six two six feet they're gonna get punished and it, it the Cleveland figured it out last year where actually the smaller lineup whether it was Rubio Garland or Sexton Garland weren't were able to survive. I thought you were gonna argue that they're not. You're supposed to argue the opposite, man. I know, but I've slowly convinced myself that it's it's possible that they can do it. Okay, well, I'll take the other position because <laughs> Sexton was actually a decent defender last season. Like, yeah, I remember watching some games and just he really made a switch at some point during that season and bought into the defensive end of the floor and was just like dogging ball handlers. And I've never really seen Mitchell do that. So that would just be my rebuttal. But yeah, you're right that if two guys with the same size can be on the floor and have that good of a defensive rating, it just goes to show what Cleveland's front court is capable of more than anything. Exactly. Which is is the reason I think that Cleveland's (laughs) going to be really good next season. Like it doesn't matter to me that these guys aren't good defenders against most teams because you're going to have two elite defenders in the front court and like a Cora, who's a pretty good defender uh for wings and this is why i said they'll have a good pick and roll defender is just like okay you put probably traditionally you're gonna put um what's his name in it uh jared allen in the pick and roll right mm-hmm. and then whatever he's, he's gonna drop and and he's gonna provide really good rim protection dropping or if that's getting torched with pull-up threes he's gonna hedge or he's gonna trap whatever now you have Mobley coming from the weak side or, or or regardless, he's the low man and he's stepping in to help on that pick and roll. And so that's just like such an elite combo to have in that way, right? Where 
And they can also station it so that he's they can try to make it. He's the weak side guy. So he's stepping in to protect the basket on those pick and rolls. And I just think like having those two to where anytime one of them is in the action, the other guy is like a Giannis type rover out of the action. That's just an elite defensive combination, which makes me not too worried again for the Mitchell and, and Garland pick and roll defense, even if they're chasing over that screen and not being that effective. Like that's okay. It, it's not the end of the world, but, but again, it goes back to my point where I can see them getting exploited is in the post in mismatches. Yeah. And this is a dumb answer, but it really might just come down to shooting too. Like if, because yeah, that for, for offenses that know. kind of defensive setup kind of like boston is probably most vulnerable in at the mid-range or you know on like a rotation corner three because you have a guy like time lord in this case mobley selling out on the baseline you're gonna have maybe that corner open mm-hmm. and so and pascal has shown that he can be destructive I, I don't know why we're doing in the frame of only toronto but this is how we look at everything but i mean i think i think that is going to be one of their weaknesses is is getting those guys in isolation and just shooting over them so that's the only that's one way you could beat up on them through the yeah. pick and roll is getting that but switch. we also know that isolation offense is not particularly effective right until it comes down to the last five minutes of an NBA game. Like if you run ISO and your whole strategy is like, (laughs) let's shoot over Garland and Mitchell. That's just not a good way to go about your offense to beat them. Yeah, I agree. And then I think I, it'll be, it remains to be seen about a coral. Like, it's not like Markkanen was this great, uh, like three. In fact, he wasn't, Yeah. but he did. He was able to create for himself and he is a, a high volume three point shooter. I don't know if how his percentage was last year, but typically speaking, he is. And Okoro hasn't been. Um, and I, Seti Osman is on like year eight of demonstrating that he's a capable three. Dean Wade is there. Like I, I think that's kind of the vulnerability of this team. And, it, and sure. it, again, it goes back to OG because you say, you say this about most teams. They don't have that, that bona fide three who can like, be the linchpin defensively, but then go down to the other part of the floor and score. And I think that that we saw that same fallibility in Utah where they, they had Bog Bog, but but he was never no Bojbog? Bojbog. In Utah? Yeah. Bojan. No, no, Bogdan? No, Bogdan. Bog Bogdan. Bog Bogdan. Bogdan. Yeah. Bog. Um they, he was the best answer at the three, and maybe or maybe Ingles, but not really. And so, and that just always came back to hurt them when push came to shove. And I think that that will be Cleveland's weakness moving forward. But they were going to have to rectify. Like like a coral really is going to be a big part of all of this because Abaji was supposed to be that guy. Yeah, even though he was a rookie. Sure, forgot about you know, Sure, but but, but here's. Here's why I'm not like that worried and why, again, I think I think Cleveland's going to be a really good at least regular season team next season is because like Okoro, if he does start, which I would probably peg him there. But again, Chetty, I think it's Chetty, by the way, he could start. Um, Dean Wade could even start. Levert could start regardless. Like Okoro is their fifth option, right? Yeah. 
so now like Mitchell just takes so much away from what a core has to do. Literally all he has to do is hit some spot up threes and defense and defend. Yeah. So I, it's true that I don't like their wing depth is one of the worst in the league, but Mobley can do a lot of things that wings do, which is big, even though he's, he's a forward. And then I do think like Chetty and Dean Wade, that's not terrible depth. And then Levert to me is the big, like, they're going to trade Levert and try to get a wing. Like that's the obvious thing they do this season. He's an expiring contract. He's no longer really needed because they're just going to stagger Mitchell and Garland to have them. One of them's going to be on the court all game. I think you trade Levert, you get a wing, even if it's like whatever, like imagine like a Jeremy Grant type player there. Like this team to me, it, it just has, again, it, it's like for all, for a regular season team, especially like this graphic shows like they're they're going to be so good offensively now yeah. and then they have last season they were amazing defensively that I don't think they'll drop that much off um I think they'll win a lot of games yeah th- this graphic of, I don't know re- is this going on the podcast but Cleveland is 26th in drive points 20th in made threes and 25th in points and Donovan Mitchell was sixth in the league in drive points, eighth and made threes and tenth in points. So he really he fills major voids for this team. So yeah, offensively there's just no there's no question. Like you said, I bet it would have looked the same for Toronto. Would have looked real similar. Yeah, it definitely would have. <laughs> I mean, Cleveland and Toronto were very similar in a lot of, in a lot of ways, um, at least offensively. But. Yeah, I, I mean, I think you're right. And I think you're right to say that regular season, this team is going to be very dangerous. And it just kind of remains to be seen in a, in a seven-game series where it, if these – someone mentioned in the comments, like, teams don't really win where your best player is a guard. I mean, that's – I don't know that's necessarily true. Like, we just saw Golden State win. But it's certainly a lot harder when size – like, little things like size um, come into play especially on the defensive end. Um, the physicality, right? I think yeah. that's the biggest thing is that yeah. shooting drops off in the playoffs because guys are allowed to be more physical and then guys can't get to their spots as well. Um, so, yeah, I think that's probably where that comes from. But, again, we've seen Donovan Mitchell do some pretty crazy things in the playoffs. Agreed. Um, do we exhaust everything? Should we ask them? So. Do, do you think that the Raptors will finish ahead of them in the standings or behind them next season? I think they're going to be slightly behind them. Yeah, me too. Like five, six, four, yeah. six, something like that. Um, maybe before we leave, we can, because we're live, we can ask if anybody has any questions that they want answered. Yeah. We won't do too long because it's Friday evening on a long weekend. So shame on all of us for being here right now. <laughs> um, yeah. Any questions? Otherwise, we're out of here. Anyone going to the Bad, Bad, Not Good concert tonight? In Dude, that's going to be fly. So th- they don't rap themselves, do they? They're just instrumental? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I'm but they sure they're going to have... In. I'm sure they're going to have some guests. It's not just rappers like Charlotte Day Wilson is on a few of their, their songs. Right. But they do have a lot of rappers too. So I'm sure they'll have some guests uh, show up there. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. That, how would you how would you rank the East? Like, do you have them in tiers? Okay. Do you have definitive one to eight? 
No, I mean, but I'll go off the top of my head. It, to me, it's like Boston and Milwaukee are a tier. And then after that, if we're doing regular season, yeah, you know, okay. I'll, I'll go, I'll go, uh, Philadelphia third. I'll go, I'll probably go Cleveland fourth, Miami fifth, Toronto sixth. Oh, Brooklyn. Brooklyn oh, seventh. Brooklyn. Brooklyn seventh and Atlanta eighth. I'll, I'll do something. Like, oh, Chicago. No, Chicago, Chicago. Ninth. I guess Chicago's ninth. That's tough. Chicago's it's, really on health. It's stacked. Like, it's the really East troublesome. Is stacked. Um, yeah, we did the overall under pot. I don't really believe in Brooklyn. But if you do, then then the East is even more. Like for Toronto to get a non-playoff spot, it's gonna be really tough. Yeah, go to uh, the Raptors Republic YouTube page. All of our over unders, we did it by division, so you can check those out. I'm gonna go by tiers. So I actually think it's Milwaukee, Boston, and Philly. I think Philly is that much better yeah. this year that they're gonna be at that top level. And then the next yeah. one's is a jumble of Cleveland, Miami, Raptors, Brooklyn. Um, and then I have below that Atlanta and Chicago. And then below that I have Detroit. I think Detroit could be sneaky fun. Yeah, same. Um, so yeah, it, it certainly vaults Cleveland up. I wasn't, I didn't really mm. feel that great about their team moving into the season. So that, and that's, that's also where it goes back to like, would you have pulled this swing if you're the Raptors? It's like Cleveland looked at their position as a play in team and they were like, we don't want to do that again. <laughs> we want to take this jump forward, even though we're young. The Raptors looked at themselves as a play in team and said, we believe in our internal development. We're going to be that much better just internally, even though Scotty and Moe are very similar guys in terms of like their potential. And we're just going to go into next season and, and try to get launch ourselves above that play-in spot just through internal growth. And like those are two opposing ways to go about mm-hmm. team building at, at this point. Um, especially only- considering the Raptors are the older team and like have more reason to go to go all in. Um, the, but- but the other thing is, I think like I don't know that Mobley's ever going to be a self-creating monster and i think scotty could be and so there might be more of a rationale to get a playmaker like mitchell uh on the team within the same age range because again mitchell's pretty young as opposed to scotty might just need role player guys around him yo top shot top shot tesla's back let's go just oh you press it you press it (laughs) just throwing out the cash raps will finish top five you heard it here first no, they're also I went I've wanted Mitchell anyways though. Okay. Well if you All guys right. wanted to hear how we how we felt about should the Raptors have traded for Mitchell, uh go back to about the twenty minute mark in this podcast, fifteen minute mark. We talked about it. Thanks so much for the tip. You. Um I don't want to run too long. Are there any other questions we didn't get to though? That you saw. We're gonna talk how you guys closer. feel about the Knicks in the standings. We're also regarding the training camp stuff, we're gonna talk about that closer to training camp. Yeah, uh yeah, the Knicks I said on the pot I took their over betting that they were gonna bet on Mitchell or get Mitchell when we did the podcast. <laughs> but I still think the Knicks are gonna be like better than they were last year. Like they're not gonna be a playoff team, but yeah, they, I could totally see them being like the ninth or eighth seed or tenth seed 
in the East and getting a play in spot. Like I think they'll be better than they were last year. I'll tell um, you if you do dynasty fantasy, I would keep my eye out on Quentin Grimes because he apparently was the whole reason why the trade fell through between New York and Utah. New York was unwilling to put Grimes in that trade, despite will, despite being willing to, to trade quickly and Obi Toppin. They yeah. didn't want to trade Grimes, so that's that's really interesting to me. He had a great summer league, but I mean that doesn't necessarily mean anything. Um, so. Yeah, that's something no, to keep an eye on. It out. doesn't, but look, everyone's shitting on the Knicks for not getting the guy that clearly they wanted and wanted to be there. But I mean, Zach Lowe said this on his podcast, and I totally agree. Like, they drew a line in the sand. Already, I thought what they offered was a lot. They yeah. drew a line and they didn't go above it. Like, that is competent. You don't negotiate with terrorists, man. <laughs> exactly. That, that's competency. <laughs> I don't know why everyone's mad at the Knicks for holding on to their assets for another star. Like, they're going to be fine. They're too young anyways to to make a move like that. And and again, someone else said this. There's going to be better fits than Mitchell would have been in New York because they don't have the infrastructure to to like back up a yeah. guy, a front, a, a backcourt that's that small. And there's going to be a wing that comes available, a center that comes available, whatever it is. So, yeah, we'll go out on Danny Ainge is, in fact, a terrorist. Honestly, I hate I hate everything Utah has done. I hate everything the Spurs are doing. I hate everything about the Thunder other than Shea. Um, tanking yeah, teams. Like teams that go into these types of tanks where it's le- legit just like, we're okay being bad for five years. You know what? I hate you. Wait, Do it uh, in one year like the Raptors. I want to know, like, is it really worth it, Oklahoma, to like in ten years from now have like a good team? Is it worth nine years of garbage to potentially be co- like contending for the next three years? Because I would argue it's not. I go into every year with Toronto, or at least the last several years, legitimately thinking that they could make a run in the playoffs. You go into the like, why would I even watch basketball if my team is Oklahoma? Like, what am I looking for? Absolutely nothing. I'm just hoping they don't get injured. Oh wait, that happened to my second pick overall so i just i think yeah i think the league needs to do something about it because it's 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 gamifying a system that was never meant to be gamified and it's destroying the content and value of the league which is about entertainment um and i agree it it hurts as a raptors fan honestly because i have to now how, how many times is it like eight eight games a year i have to watch the raptors play crud yeah you know where it's not even like a fun watch no uh shout out again top shot tesla when are we live next we're gonna have a couple more videos next week for sure we're gonna do two more drafts with sahal and maybe uh kyle so look out for those also uh samson folk i'm really liking his raptors republic series so far yeah, doing the 29 teams and what opposing media members think about the Raptors. I've, I've found that. So go go watch that on the RR channel if you're looking for content. Um, and regarding SGA, SGA like, Warren has like been it. riding the SGA train forever now for him to come to Toronto. I actually, I don't think I've ever seen anything like it. Like, he's in year five and potentially could get shut down again. It's like, It's actually crazy. Yeah, but this is again why I said I don't think they can do it again. So but, we'll see. But there's like, no reason not to. Goes. 
I'm just yeah, the reason that. not to is because you're going to piss off your franchise player. Right. Yeah. But if I were him, I would have been pissed off a long time ago. Yeah. Again, like OKC can redeem themselves and trade all those future picks for a couple stars, put them around SGA and Giddy and say, let's go. But yeah. I have no faith that they're going to do that this season because they want Wemby. So fine. Anyways, we've done enough OKC slander. Oh, I just got uh, so mad. Uh, last, last look for questions or or tips or likes. Question and is what star is going to become available? I mean, it's always impossible to predict, but I think you can predict that someone will. I need to right, look at like the... like KD. I I personally think KD and Kyrie are going to become available again within the next calendar year. I don't um, think this is a star, but I would keep an eye on Michael Porter Jr. I don't trust that dude. He's like a Bible-thumping anti-vaxxer, and he just looks like a guy who wants to get to get somewhere where he can be his own guy. Um, and I don't think he l- loves the fact that the, sh- the sun shines on two other guys ahead of him. So I could see him getting disgruntled and p- potentially getting shipped. Yeah. What about no offense OG? to Bible-thumpers. I'm just saying, like, th- it's... A- <laughs> It's an archetype that I don't trust on a basketball team, aka Jonathan Isaac. Is OG a star that could become available? Don't say that. So, don't you dare I, say that. That's my bad. Um, Wait, I'm looking at teams else, for though? stars. Yeah. Oh, um, Dame. Dame could become available. I could see that for sure. Joel Embiid, 100% see that. No. You don't see that? Not no. the next star, but but yeah, if this doesn't work out with Harden. I think like, if anything, like, it's Harden. <laughs> History shows that it's going to no. be Harden again. I, if it's Harden again, though, then he's not going to have value on the market. And it's just going to be like, okay, look, look, Embiid's going to look around and say, yeah, I have Maxi. What else? And he's going to realize this, like it, this, so much of this depends on Harden being good for the next few years that I, I truly think Embiid could ask out in the next year or two. I could see it, but I also think that he's well situated. He strikes me as a guy who's just like, he's this not well city. situated, dude. Sure. Like the Philadelphia you know, I, angle, I mean, they like, love him. But he has reasonable to complain and be like, look, you never put a a, a team around me that can compete for a title. They fucked up multiple times. Yeah, exactly. So I think my my prediction is Anthony Davis. I think if L.A. has another just horrid year, they Mm. could they could look at LeBron and, and or they could talk to LeBron or not and just decide that Anthony Davis is not the guy that we traded for anymore. Yeah. What, and whether it's injury or just lack of effort, whatever, I could see him getting shipped and then they doing a quick reset. Yeah, he does fit into the height that the Raptors target. More or less. <laughs> I would love to have Anthony Davis. Uh, who are you trading for Anthony Davis? I don't know. Well, that's the thing. If he gets traded, it's probably because he has a bad year again. And then it's like he has all these injury concerns. I don't know if I would want to be the team that trades for Anthony Davis, right. to be honest with you. Uh, what about in Chicago? I could see that going south pretty quickly. They got to get off Vooch hard and fast. That trade is going to look real ugly in a year or two, even yeah. worse than it does already. 
I like that. If they had held on to Wendell Carter Jr. and everything else had been the same, they we would be talking about them, I think, as a top five East team this year. Yeah, but I think if things go really south in the next year or two, like I think DeMar will be out of there. I think they'll reset it around like um Lonzo Levine and Caruso. And will and there he will and will, yeah, exactly. Like they, and they maybe would've... even not yeah. Probably they would have had Franz, more. right? If they hadn't have traded Wendell Carter Jr. Yeah, I don't know where that pick landed. I but, think they would yeah. have had Franz, or because Suggs was fourth overall, and or fifth overall, and then I think Franz was seventh or eighth. So, oh, this is a good one. De'Aaron Fox, totally agree. He mm. will be next couple of years. That is a good one. Um, I, I think he De'Aaron represents Fox. a similar similar like fit in Toronto as uh, Donovan Mitchell would. And I think the price would be way less. Not not to say he's as good as Mitchell, but he does a lot of other than the shooting. Like he does a lot of things similarly. Fox well. Fox is the John Wall to Mitchell as the Beal. Like they're like he's much more up and down, re, not yeah. a shooter, reliant on transition. And Toronto loves that shit, but we don't really need that if we have Freddie. That means we're basically getting off Freddie and trying to get younger. Yeah. No. I, I'm. Yeah. We're not going to get into this right now. <laughs> I don't want to talk about how he would fit beside Freddie, but okay. for another time. For another time. Go get drunk and listen to good music. All right. Thanks all for watching, for commenting, and all that good stuff. Again, we're going to have a couple more videos out next week on the RR YouTube channel. Sam's and Folk is, is dropping a bunch of videos on that channel. Mac has podcasts. So, yeah, subscribe to the channel. We would really appreciate it. We're going to have a lot of good stuff this season. All right. Bye.